Hello Hebrews and Shebrews, welcome to another episode of Khalifa Shtrak podcast. I am truly excited to present to you my next guest. In this episode, I had the honor of hosting the esteemed professor, Mr. Fred Kaufman, for a free and open discussion on the future of economics and world politics. Fred Kaufman holds a long list of remarkable titles and achievements. He is the co-founder of the Hoffman Kaufman Foundation, an influential leadership foundation that he established along with Reid Hoffman, the co-founder of LinkedIn. Additionally, Fred has served as a special coach and advisor to industry giants such as Google, LinkedIn, Microsoft, Facebook, and many others. He is also the visionary behind the Conscious Business Academy and the author of two business masterpieces, Conscious Business and The Meaning Revolution. On a personal note, I find it difficult to express the profound impact Fred has had on my own life. Without his spiritual teaching and guidance, I would not be here with you today. I am forever grateful for his positive influence over me. I invited Fred to shed light on modern day economics and unravel the true story behind it. Together we try to explore the history of tomorrow by checking the connections between the COVID-19 pandemic, the worldwide inflation and the US debt crisis. Or in another world, what world do we really live in? And now, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, please welcome this great philosopher, my almighty teacher, the one of his kind, Fred Kaufman. Enjoy. I'm truly excited to have you here. Uh, I'm way too excited. Before everything, uh, I I owe you a, a huge thank you for like. In the past few years, uh, I've been going through a lot of turmoil, COVID, and a lot of things were happening in my life, and nothing uh, that I would prevail or like accomplished without the help of uh, Fred Kaufman. So I, I would just start with huge thank you for your work and uh, who you are. You've been a personal mentor and role model for me. So thank you very much, Fred, for doing it. Well, it's very touching to hear you say that, Khalifa. Uh, I feel like uh, I have a good friend in you. So I'm honored to be here and have a chat. Uh, the honor is all mine. I would start by uh, saying that uh, there's a lot of titles that I could put uh, after your name. A professor from, uh, you had a PhD from Berkeley in economics. Uh, you are a, a leadership persona in the Silicon Valley. You worked in all major companies that one could uh, might think of, uh, Google, LinkedIn, Microsoft. Uh, the list goes on. And uh, you, you are the author of uh, three books that I know of, uh, The Meaning Revolution, Conscious Business, and... Uh, uh, the, the other one is Meta Management Trilogy, right? It's three books? Yeah, it's three books, but that's in Spanish. It's oh, okay. So, uh, 
those are the those are the ones that I didn't uh, read. The other ones are like masterpieces, and uh, alongside with all uh, the titles that I could put next to your name, I think that for me you are a philosopher, basically a very smart person and a leader, which uh, makes it uh, a, for me a huge honor to to personally know you and get touched with your work because. As I've said, I'm very humbled about uh, our friendship, and uh, I'm, again, truly excited. Uh, so yesterday, I've been listening to a podcast of uh, from a Navy SEALs podcast in Israel, Israeli Navy SEAL podcast, and the two guys that were talking, uh, two ex-Navy SEALs guys, started the conversation by saying, we met at Hoffman Kaufman, and I immediately got proud and amazed that this wave that started three years ago keeps hitting here in Israel and it's doing a huge community and bonds between people and it's amazing. So I would start from that. If you could say, what is Hoffman Kaufman? How you got the idea and what's what's all the, all that jazz? Well, uh, Hoffman Kaufman is a foundation sponsored by Reed Hoffman and myself that has as a mission to develop exemplars of excellence, uh, men and women that would be a role model, um, uh, an example to emulate, maybe uh, a light for others to follow. Now that is not a consequence of birth or genetic attributes. The exemplary nature of a life is a consequence of choices and habits that one develops and attitudes that one grows very slowly over many years by consistent practice and a commitment to a higher purpose through a path that is guided and guardrailed by values. Um, I've been reading about that all my life. I work, I was blessed to work with very famous people, very powerful people, very rich people. And to be honest, I never felt I'd like to be like him or I'd like to be like her. I never saw a life that seemed to me worthy of emulation. Like I aspire to, to look like that. So I decided at one point, well, I, I have to first become it myself um, and then invite other people to join me in the path. Not, not in a way that is egocentric, like, oh, be like me. It's not that, um, you know, I want people to to shine in a way that other people say, I want to be Khalifa. No, but maybe uh, you develop a quality of resilience by struggling with lots of difficult things in your life. And you were able to hold yourself with grace in the face of great adversity. And that's a huge inspiration for people that see their own adversities as insurmountable, as things that overwhelm them. and knowing that, for example, you may have felt overwhelmed too, and that feeling overwhelmed is not an obstacle for grace. 
and it's not an obstacle. In fact, as the Stoic says, it's not an obstacle in the way, because the obstacle is the way. That precisely the overwhelm and the difficulty and the challenge is the path through which you shaped yourself, through which you polish yourself from maybe a lump of coal into a diamond, but that required heat and it required pressure and it required stress. But it was heat and pressure and stress that were held and managed in a particular way. So the foundation is wanting to well, teach people how to develop those process habits to deal with life in a graceful and inspiring manner. We decided, well, I decided to, um, <laughs> to, to, to not have to choose people from, from zero, no, not to say, okay, let's do a call, see who's interested um, as a, as a, I would say, market segment, we chose to piggyback on the Israel Defense Forces that would choose from amongst all the Israelis, um, the people that were most capable of withstanding pressure or leading others into challenging situations or handling very difficult problems and invite them to join the elite units. So we um, started like the Navy SEALs or, um, or the unit or other, other, other uh, elite um, organizations within the IDF. And we talked to the alumni and said, here's a program that if you were doing this in a company it would probably cost between 20 and $30,000 in terms of the, the level of investment and the, the teachers that are participating and the material and the effort and all that. But we're going to do it for free. And um, given <laughs> there's a slight uh, wealth difference between Reed and myself, uh, Reed is the founder in uh, economic uh, means, and I am the founder in, I would say, the practical means. And then we have a late stage co founder, Tsur Ginosar, um, who also who, who started being the program manager, but he's become really the leader of the program in Israel. And now he runs the program. Um, I oversee it and participate and read funds it. So that's that's the organization. Amazing. From my side, I would say that uh, starting the the, uh, the program was uh, quite interesting because it got me in a very challenging times. As I said, it was like a huge thing that uh, I, I was basically in a stormy sea and this was a life jacket. Uh, and the interesting thing about it, you talked about habits, uh, that we started by having this uh, daily routine of waking up 5 a.m., uh, uh, taking care of uh, our uh, diet and uh, meditations and workout. And I would say, come on, I have so much things to have on my plate now. I'm having so much things on my plate to handle, and this is what they're asking for me, like for me to, I don't know, meditate now. This is the last thing that I would have spare time for. Uh, but the, uh, at the end, like if there's no end to this process that I started three years ago, but 
the idea is uh, now I feel much more uh, like a fighter. I do my daily life as a combat soldier. I've never been in a better shape uh, physically. Uh, I do uh, my yoga, my meditations. I take care of all of those things, knowing that first things first, and then you can have uh, this approach to life because the weaker person in me keeps like the one that says, I'm overwhelmed, this is too much, I can't handle it. It's still there, but I need to keep doing a daily uh, work on overcoming this, uh, this notion, knowing that obstacle is the way, uh, and keep feeding myself uh, with the right nutrition and the spiritual nutrition to know that I need to aspire to higher places and it's a daily walk. Uh, and this is all from uh, you and uh, Tsur, basically, who also became a personal mentor and is an amazing guy. Uh, this is why we had such a huge impact on our, like, Hoffman Kaufman start becoming a very and well-known thing in uh, in Israel, and it's amazing to see because uh, seeing it from the start, so it's amazing. Well, um, you used you used exactly the the word that I that I had in mind to the, start the program, which is translate the fiber of a warrior that goes into battle against a physical enemy to a spiritual warrior that goes into battle with maybe the lower ego, the part of yourself or myself that wants to give up, that wants to surrender, that wants to yield and succumb to the temptation to quit, to, to say, oh, this is too much. I don't want it. And, and just change that around as another Navy SEAL from the US says, uh, Joko Willing, that says, whenever something bad happens, say good, good, like good, this, this is, okay, I'll make it good. Like this, this is the battle. The battle is to, to find meaning, um, very much in the spirit of um, Viktor Frankl in his book, Man in Search for Meaning, to say, okay, you, if you can't change it, then give it meaning. And then instead of saying only good, I, 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 I raise one to that and say, good, thank you. Like, thank you, universe. Thank you, God. Thank you, spirit. Thank you, life, for allowing me the opportunity to participate in this epic moment. And um, it's it's been my sustenance. One thing is to say it, but during this last three very dark years, I'd say since 2020, the world has been horrific. I, 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 don't, I don't have words to describe it. And so many times I have felt the temptation to hide, the temptation to disappear, the temptation to give up um, and quit. And then it's always this, this fire inside, the warrior, the internal warrior that says, good, Thank you. What an opportunity to be present, to be a witness to this. Even if I can't change it, I am the part of consciousness that is able to experience it and just bear the full horror 
of what's happening and just hold it and not freak out and not go crazy, not go angry and resentful, but just hold it in consciousness with compassion. And that is, that, that for me has been life-saving. So when you say, I don't have time to meditate, I don't have time not to meditate because I go, I mean, I, I, I'd be gone. I don't know, I would have killed myself. I would be completely broken, suicidal. Um, what I have seen, the friends that I have lost, the horrors that have happened in front of my eyes, you know, the death of my father, the the loss of her mind of my mother in, in very suspicious circumstances, very personal and very universal to see my children take decisions that I think will ruin their lives in spite of my advice um, and a world that has gone completely berserk, crazy. How to withstand the sight of that, how to withstand the full weight of being conscious in the midst of that. Well, I, I don't know, it, it, it takes a spiritual warrior. And that's also why we chose to build on the, the training that the elite units in the IDF have had, because it was, a, I mean, the, the investment thesis of the program, if you will, is, okay, let's take the people that know how to be warriors. And I mean warriors, intelligence operators, all sorts of, like you're a warrior, people who are, um, who have been willing to confront mortal danger in service of their duty to something higher than themselves. Let's take that spirit and, and extend it. Like there's a market adjacency, I'm using now more business terms, but there's an adjacency that is easier to get into if you have had that kind of preparation than if you, well, you have to start by, I don't know, um, overcoming your fear of heights or overcoming your fear of the dark or um, getting in shape because you are, you know, a hundred pounds overweight and you can't, you've never done any exercise or all, all those things that, you know, I, I, I don't disparage them because in the, in the experience of the person, it is as big of a challenge to go from 50 pounds overweight to being in shape that maybe it is for you to, I don't know, run an ultra marathon. And, you know, it's say, oh, no, but running an ultra marathon is so much more. Like, no, I mean, I, I run marathons and my goal was to run twice the record, the world record. So I, I, I gave myself the handicap of twice, but I said, when I, when, when I run at twice, at half the speed, I'm, I'm more or less spending the same amount of effort from an internal standpoint. So the, the internal experience is still available to anybody. No, it doesn't matter. Like if you're in a wheelchair, then you know what, what is the, the stretch that will let you own your life more? And, and this, this is completely independent of external standards. But in order to inspire other people, I, you know, why does everybody watch the Olympics? Why, why do people watch the marathoners that run a marathon in two hours and nobody was watching me? You know, I might make it in four hours, but nobody will celebrate. It, it's not the difference of what happens with me, but it's the difference in the inspiration of what's possible for a human being. What, what's the, 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 the tip of the spear that opens 
or the, the, the one that breaks the trail and opens the possibility for everybody else to say, oh, that's possible. I can do that. And you know, I don't I don't have a lot of um, admiration for sports stars or famous people or rich people. As I said, I, I, I've been blessed to know them and I, I'm not I mean, I'm not in that level, but I've been mingling with them and I'm advising them and I help them. And because of that, I also see the dark side that most people don't see. No, no magazine is going to publish the stuff that I talk about with them. Um, so I say, what, what, what happens if we create this admiration for spiritual greatness and spiritual warriorship, the ability to handle the difficulties with a sense of purpose and meaning and being a, an example of excellence even for other people. <laughs> I have to say to to teach the Hoffman Kaufman, I mean I, you you have seen my my development. I, I feel like every year I'm I'm getting younger and better because now I'm intimidated by my own students. <laughs> I, I said, mm -hmm. oh my God, now I have to okay, I need to get into frozen water even more and I need to do more push-ups and I mean just not to be the, they are blowing on your neck, as we say in Hebrew. Like they are keep uh, pushing you. No, 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 no. They they are so far ahead of me. I I just don't want to lose sight of them. I'm the yeah. one that trying to chase them. I, I don't. I mean, I don't feel I uh, I lead anything um, in, in terms of my personal perspective. I feel very inspired by the participants in the program, and it's. By the way, for for me, it was. Um, you know, being in combat was much easier than uh, being on a stage and talking in front of people. And this is the first change that I did uh, intuitionally, basically. I started my podcast because I wanted to, be, instead of running out of my fear, running to the heart of it. And it was terrifying for me. I would run a marathon any given day, but standing in front of people and, you know, uh, being in a place that I could waste their time in sort of speak, it was terrifying for me. Good for you. And that's run towards the fire. Um, and I, 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 that, that's the, that's such a beautiful, like fearlessness. That that says okay, whatever whatever my fear is, that that is that is the gradient of maximum growth. Confront that fear, own it, and stop surrendering surrendering to it. That doesn't mean you have to do it, and it, it's not imprudent. Imprudence is not like go crazy and do do dangerous things just as a daredevil, but just how 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 far can you push it? Like how. How exciting can it be? Why would you not try something? And and then it, even when you fail, it's like, oh, okay, I was afraid of failure. And now I'm used to it. Like I, I failed so many times. And here I am. I'm from Argentina. This is Mate, by the way. Mm. Uh, I live in Argentina, but I still keep it. And um, there's a song, a beautiful song, that inspired me all my youth. It was a song that was... Um, composed in a very dark time. In the time when I grew up, there was a, a civil war in Argentina. And lots of nasty things happened um, around me. I was I was young, I was 14. So I wasn't in the middle of it, but it was, it was impossible to be there without being splashed by the darkness. Um, 
and it says the, in, in Spanish, it's, tantas veces me mataron, tantas veces me morí, sin embargo estoy aquí resucitado. Cantando al sol como la cigarra después de un año bajo la tierra, igual que el sobreviviente que vuelve de la guerra. And that, that in, in, in English, that, that, that is, so many times I have been killed, so many times I have died, and yet here I am, resuscitated. Um, singing to the sun like the um, cicada, uh, cigarra is a cicada, after a year under the earth exactly like the same as the survivor who comes back from the war and and that is that is, is is such a beautiful song and it was an inspiration because a lot of people were killed um a lot and and yet i have so many deaths in my life i mean I, so that's like you. I mean, I don't mean physical. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not resuscitated in a physical sense, but poetically, so many things that have failed, so many sorrows, so many hardships, and yet here I am, and here we are, and the opportunity to be alive and conscious, and choosing again what I'm going to do tomorrow is is available, and. Um, Everything is a lesson. Everything is a lesson. So that's why I I, I, I want to raise uh, Joko's uh, mantra even more. Not not just good, but good. Thank you. It's like yes. Um, pressure is a privilege. That's another phrase of the Stoics. So just being being subject to the pressure, it's a privilege to respond, to be able to provide for others, to to protect, to to. To create meaning that is it's such a incredible honor but the price to pay is that well you have to be in the middle of the shit you you, you can't yeah, just, I, I don't want to get my hands dirty oh <laughs> i don't mm -hmm. i don't want to get into the swamp there's mud and um, we we get so personalized like we identify with our uh, hard feelings with our uh, pain and with uh, uh, with all the negative things that come from a high pressure experience and to be honest uh, you you already touched base on that so let's go deep on it uh, because you said uh, obstacle is the way and half horrific things that we had here so i think that in terms of uh, historical uh, a point of view i think that we we had the mother of all obstacles basically that we are handling here this is the um, uh, the hard reality that i got awakened from uh, knowing that uh, before i started hoffman kaufman i was a socialist i I voted for the Labour Party. I was uh, deep into social democracy and all this crap. Sorry for my my French, but uh, once COVID started, we had a Zoom with you in Hoffman Kaufman, and you said you you said a very small sentence, like it was almost meaningless. Uh, I was, one could easily pass it, like you said. I mean, look at the stock market, and we are talking on May 2020. 
um, businesses are closed, you have all those lockdowns, crazy things going on. Uh, and you said, look at the stock market. What's going there is disgusting. Uh, and I said, wow, that's a very strong word to say, like disgusting. What's disgusting in it? And this is how I started my journey of going through all these rabbit holes. Economically, I started learning and reading books and all these kind, kind of things. So I would like to ask you in your own words, what is what is terrible in COVID and this experience that we started in 2020? And why do you think it's a horrific experience? Well, I, I, I am convinced we're in the middle of a spiritual battle, like has never existed in the history of humanity. There's nothing like this at the global scale. The root is timeless. It's, the, it's a corruption in the human soul. But the technological expansion of that corruption is at a level that is unique and it threatens to devour the humanity of humanity. Um, I would say the, 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 the corruption is already, I would say from, from the beginning of, of humanity, you know, the Noah, what's called the Noahide, I don't know how you would say, Noah, the laws before the Ten Commandments in, in the Bible, there's the, the laws that are from Noah that are not just for the Jewish people, but for all humanity. And they include the, the beginnings, the, 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 the commandments, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet your neighbor's wives or assets, do not lie. Why? I mean, the, the, this happens from the beginning. Um, what is the corruption? Well, the corruption is the desire to get something for nothing to control, to enslave other people and make them live their lives for my service. So I don't have to work hard to get what I want. That is a temptation inherent in the human soul. And I think that has grown to what some people call the, the, the moment of a prison planet. We're in a prison planet. Everything is regulated. Everything is uh, surveilled. We are in the midst of a fifth generation warfare where the battleground is your mind. There's, there's no, there is no physical battleground, although there, there are some, but, but the most important one is through propaganda, through mind control, undue influence, pushing people, coercing people, creating lies that convince people to do things in their detriment for the benefit of others. Let me take, for example, the, the socialism. I mean, this, this, this comes from a long way back, but, but I'll, 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 I'll come to the present moment. But if you, if you ask me, I'm, I'm a socialist too. Like I, I would love a world where, 
we're all brothers and sisters and we all share and there's no need for property there's no scarcity i mean the the, the, the vision is absolutely beautiful uh, and in fact I, I i consider myself a big supporter of kibbutzim why it's, it's not the property uh, arrangements a kibbutz what, what what makes it moral for me is that they don't try to impose their kibbutznik philosophy on anybody else. If you want to be a member of the kibbutz, you're welcome. You don't want to be a member of the kibbutz, well, you can be a neighbor. You can, can have your business right next to the kibbutz, and maybe the people from the kibbutz will come and buy something from you and participate in the market economy to exchange. So I don't have a problem with socialism as a, as a voluntary economic arrangement. I think it doesn't work for other reasons, but that's a it's a technical problem. It's not a moral problem. It would be an economic and incentive problem. And maybe, well, for sure, socialism works inside the family because every family is a, is, is a socialist unit and it's it's a beautiful one. You know, you don't, you don't charge rent to your kids or you don't expect your, your husband or your wife to, 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 to like pay you or do arm's length transactions. It's, it's a unit and it's fine. If people want to expand that to a larger and larger, to a clan, I, well, I mean, totally fine. I don't, I don't have a problem and I actually think it's a beautiful experiment. I totally support it. But when you're talking about socialism as a political system, you're talking about expropriation of the means of production to socialize them. Now you're talking violence, you're talking death, you're talking theft. I'm going to take over things. So at that point, I part ways. I say, that's evil. I'm sorry. You know, you, you want to be socialist, be socialist with your effort, with your life, but forcing other people, no, 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 no. And that's the corruption to say, for example, um, just to put my finger on a hot topic. I think it's totally fine for, you know, yeshivot to exist in Israel and be funded voluntarily by the people who want to support them. Donations from Israel, from outside, no problem. But saying, I'm going to use the power of the state to threaten those who don't want to voluntarily contribute money and tax them to use those funds to support something that is of social benefit that's like a kibbutz saying, you know, we are important for Israel, so we need the state to tax the people who don't want to be in a kibbutz to give us money because we we deserve it. There's there's no other way to describe that than theft. It is theft. It's it's it's, it's theft through third parties. I don't I don't do the dirty deed, but I get someone else to go. Or to vote, for example, for a law that would make uh, homosexuality criminal, which was the case in Israel till not very far back. Now, you don't like it? Don't do it. You, I mean, you don't. You don't want. You, you don't want um, to to relate to other people, to associate with people who are um, uh, gay, gay or lesbian. Don't do it. But to say you wouldn't go with a gun to hurt them but you would vote for someone that promises that they're going to go with a gun to hurt them and put them in a cage. I'm sorry, you know, any lawyer will tell you that that's as bad as, I mean, if you hire a Sicario to go kill someone, you are a murderer. There, there's no, 
you you can't put a distance just by saying, oh, well, I didn't do it. You know, but you, you, you endorse it, you support it. And that's what I see at the global scale, that more and more people are being co-opted in their good intentions to use abhorrent criminal unethical means, which is to force other people at gunpoint to do things they don't want to do and explain themselves by some sort of social welfare. And I will include the forced vaccinations. I will include quarantines. I will include lockdowns. I would include preventing people from going to commerces. All that is based on guns. There's a gun behind every one of those norms that says, if you don't do it, I'll hurt you. I'll take you to a cage or I'll do something. That, I mean, the level of fascism all over the world, it's shocking. It's absolutely shocking. But, I mean, that was already bad. I was in a dark place just seeing that, feeling terrible. I wanted to to add on that it's um if I may uh, that it's no coincidence that you went from covid uh, to socialism because it's uh, basically a state of mind of uh, centralized uh, exactly. uh, power that yes. I will decide for everybody what you everybody I know better from everybody what to do and how to conduct their lives And this is uh, my question, no, by the way, one it's worse than that. It's not just that I'll decide if you do is that if you don't do what I tell you, I will kill you. It's the violence. I mean, you want to decide for everybody? Be my guest. I don't know. I mean, there's lots of crazy people out there that think they know what's the best thing for the world. I don't even know them. I don't care about them. Now, when you but when you're that kind of crazy, arrogant, as Friedrich Hayek, a Nobel laureate in economics, called it, if you are subject to the fatal conceit, the fatal arrogance of believing you can decide for everybody, and then you enforce that with violence. Now we're talking evil. Now we're talking socialism. We're talking national socialism. By the way, the difference between national and international socialism was the difference between the Soviet Union and Nazi Germany. So it's not like, oh, no, fascism is completely different. No, fascism is the, it's just the other side of the coin. It's the same centralized statist coin everywhere. And democratic socialism is the same. It's four wolves and a sheep voting on what's for dinner. So democracy doesn't solve the problem. Now everybody's democracy, democracy. Okay, let's have voting the Hutus. How many Hutsis are we going to kill? Oh, no, but this is fine. By the way, you know, everything that Hitler did was according to the law. And it was a constitutional republic. North Korea is a constitutional republic. You want constitutional? Venezuela is a constitutional republic. So, no, no, I mean, it's it's always the same corruption. Is I I know better, and I'm going to make you do it. And it's the kind of the darkness that you are completely selfish and arrogant. And then, yeah, you present yourself like an angel when the truth is you're the devil incarnate that is the demonic spirit in the world using violence to force people and it is behind covid measures it's behind democratic autocracy it's behind anything that will preempt people from making voluntary arrangements on how they want to live together 
I mean, it's it's so simple. It's so simple. Now you you can agree to do something, and then you have a contract. So I'm not talking I'm not talking about no rules. There are lots of rules. What I don't want is rulers, the people that feel that they can impose their rules through coercion on others because they know better and they're justified by some sort of crazy story they have behind. Uh, they they put on some you know some suit and now they are you know the, the emissary of God and they get to say everything they want. And now we are living a technocracy uh, where the technocrats have the power to decide how they are going to evolve even the human species or so transhuman. I, I call it T5, uh, totalitarian, technocratic, transnational, transhumanistic takeover. That's the T5. That, that's the darkness that we're here. And it, it includes socialism. There's no difference between crony capitalism, socialism, global organizations, non-profits, democracies. I mean, it, it, it's such a compact mix of evil people, but they all have the same. All of them want to centralize. So I'm, I'm, I'm saying decentralize everything. Why, why stop with cryptocurrency? I mean, decentralize everything. Even, even crypto is not decentralized. Now they're trying to create Web 3.0, but crypto is totally centralized. As long as you have a choke point, a single point of failure, the evil people will take over that single point of failure. And that's why you have what's called regulatory capture. All the regulatory agencies are captured. I mean, talk about the FDA and Big Pharma, if there's an unholy alliance. I mean, that, that, that's why even, I mean, the, what the so-called capitalists are fascists. The, uh, the private, the public-private partnerships of the World Economic Forum, that is the, the, the new age fascism. It's the same fascism forever with a new name to hide the real intent, which is to push people to become slaves. And it's happening. You... But, but let me tell you what is the shock. This is not the worst. I mean, that, that is not what shocked me, is that now there's so much information about how the vaccines don't stop transmission, don't stop infection, have a lot of side effects. I mean, the, the, this is not conspiracy theory. This is absolutely proved, totally proved. Nobody cares. I mean, I Because can see if, why there was... If, if you question... If you question Fauci, then you question science. This is why. But, but, but nobody cares. I, I remember one some, something that shocked me. I, I mean, this is a small scene, and I can't believe I remember it after so many years. I saw a movie in Argentina many, many years ago. I think it was called The, the, the Children of Brazil or something. But, but it, was, it was something related to Simon Wiesenthal and the Nazis. And in one scene, there was a, a survivor of a concentration camp that sees one of the guards. This is like 30 years later, okay, or 40 years later, 50 years later. And, and, and he just can't take it and commit suicide. Just seeing the guy that like nothing happened and he's, I mean, living a normal life and saying, well, nobody cares, no, no, nothing happened. And now I understand that feeling because now it's worse now it's not even a secret of, of what happened all the corruption all the evil all the darkness is out in the light i mean it's it's overwhelming and nobody cares 
well, I say nobody, the, the vast majority of the people, it's like, no, 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 now they're, I don't know, now they, somebody said, Putin should get the, the, the Nobel laureate prize in, in, in medicine because he stopped the pandemic. Nobody talks about the pandemic. Everybody talks about the war in Ukraine because now that's the, that's the news of the day. So the psychological operation uh, to confuse people, now it's like, oh, no, 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 nothing happened. Now, now let's talk about Putin and then it's going to be Taiwan and now uh, the war with China. And, and there's always something new to distract people. But I, I mean, I, I know people that run large organizations, large universities that mandated the vaccines, coerced hundreds of thousands of young people to get an injection that has a lot more costs than benefits. We today know for people of you know age that they're in the university and they haven't said a single thing. Now, slowly they've taken out the mandate, but they never acknowledge anything. They never talk, nothing. I can't talk to them anymore. I, can't, I just can't do it. I, it, it it's, I mean, I, 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 I deal with them occasionally. I, I mean, I'm not antisocial, but it, I remember that scene in the movie where I'm seeing the people who did horrible things. Some of them, probably because they were confused, but today there's no excuse for that. You might have been confused three years ago. It's a scary time. But today, today's not a scary time. Today, the, what, what, what is the the show that says the truth is out there? The, the X-Files? X-Files. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the truth is out there. Now the truth is out there and you don't have to dig very much to find it. It's everywhere. You, you have to actively shut your eyes eyes wide shut, just go crazy and and na 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 I don't know anything. And even then you can't avoid it. And yet the truth is in plain sight, as do we it's say. Completely. I mean you, you you can't you can't close your eyes. It's 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 overwhelming. And no lesson, nobody has learned anything, nothing has happened. That's the darkness. That that is the real darkness. And say, okay, who's going to look at the world and say some things i mean we, we, how many times i mean i lived in argentina when people said never again never again that was the and what is the inflation rate now in argentina it's over a hundred percent but it, it it it's never again it's all the time again i mean after the the world war ii was never again the propaganda campaigns i mean the Germans again doing it, Israel doing it. I mean, we there, there's no. I mean, never again. I, they're, they're the the organizations in Israel from from Holocaust survivors saying, "Wake up!" I mean, this feels exactly like that. I'm not saying it, but they are saying it. And 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 it will happen again and again and again and again, uh, while we still have this seed of corruption and the temptation to make other people live their lives for our benefit, for our sake. Even if it's just a righteous feeling that I'm right and I know what to do and they need to implement that, the technocratic transhuman desire to be gods. Somebody has to stand up and say, no, that's wrong, that's wrong. And it, it is not a revolutionary, like go out and I don't know, do something, I, I, I don't, Honestly, I don't know what can be done physically. I, I mean, I don't have an idea, but I know the most powerful word in the language in any country is no. Law. 
not with my cons not with my not consent with, no i do not consent not with my consent and i nullify there's something in the in the american tradition which is called nullification so a state can nullify a federal law by saying i'm not enforcing it i'm not doing it so okay i cannot change the world but i can change my world how not with my consent i do not consent i do not consent to anything that violates the moral law and the moral law is don't kill don't, don't murder don't steal don't lie don't enslave don't vandalize don't destroy don't initiate aggression against other people it's so simple and most people agree with that but i but i'm pushing it to say don't do it and don't endorse or consent to anybody else doing it and now we have a problem like okay well yeah i'm not i'm not putting you in a cage but i'd like the government to put you in a cage if you smoke the wrong grass tobacco yes marijuana no 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 i mean that's evil that's a crime says who and it doesn't matter if if i smoke or not smoke like it, it's the principle who has the right to use violence to preempt someone else to do something that doesn't hurt other people doesn't invade other people yeah. so i mean if you if you have a shop and you don't want anybody to walk in without a vaccine you have the right to say look i i i, I am i'm anxious I, I don't want people to come into my establishment or my house if you're not vaccinated you have you have all the right to do that but you come into my house to say you can't leave your house if you don't vaccinate i mean wh where does that come from wh where does that stop when when does the social pressure find a limit to invade the individual and the fact that we don't have I mean, I, it, it, it's it's very sad. Very few people, I mean, there are some people and they're standing and they're heroes, but they're paying such a tremendous price for trying to reveal the truth or for argue. And it's not against anything. It's, it's to say, let's protect the space of privacy, of freedom. And they are demonized. I mean, and I mean, it, it's just, what's the controversy? <laughs> and the, the, I mean, the, now I don't know. RFK is uh, junior. He's 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 saying. Well, he's running uh, the, to be a candidate for president, and everybody calls him an anti-vaxer. That's it. Oh, you're an anti-vaxer. That that's that's one of those those phrases to like like to stop the conversation. You're an anti the power of labeling. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Safe and effective. Safe and effective. That's hypnotics. Well, you know, um, for me, the, the idea, at some point I had this uh, idea because, you know, you come from economics, I come from uh, philosophy or history. So I started realizing there's a huge uh, idea that I grew up on, that on when Berlin uh, Wall fell in 92, I think it was, that communism uh, lost the war, that the United States won the war, and uh, capitalism prevailed over communism. And now I start seeing it as it once one, like capitalism won one small fight, but it lost the war. And now there's no, no capitalism, and the, the, the social state of mind just prevailed. And what is dangerous about it 
is that now it's combined with technocracy, uh, you know, like chat GPT, that uh, one might uh, argue now, you know what, we tried to be communist or socialist, but we are human beings and we are limited in our capacity to process huge uh, amount of data. So let's put it to chat GPT now, and now it can rearrange the wealth uh, and you you having uh, Janet Yellen uh, talking about universal basic income uh, and all these kind of things. So I, I find it really scary. Am I right? Like You are totally right. It is scary as hell. Um, the, in 1920, Ludwig von Mises, the, one of the founding fathers of the Austrian School of Economics, wrote a book called Socialism. And in that book, he proved that socialism is ontologically impossible. It's not epistemologically impossible. You're using a computability argument. It's like, okay, there's too much information. No person can calculate. Even the computers can't do it. But maybe now with ChatGPT, and there are people saying that, now we can have a technocracy. And technocracy, we can have an economy based on energy consumption prices and blah, blah, blah. And, and, and it's, it's, the, it's the wet dream of every socialist or communist or fascist or technocratic enslaver or, or slave master, which is to say, I can run things, the arrogance. Or ChatGPT can run things. Of course, I'm going to manage ChatGPT. Somebody, I mean, somebody has to implement it, unless you want to have Terminator robots enforcing the ChatGPT instructions, which you know it's not out of the question. But there's a there's a there's a very basic problem. I I see if I can explain it in a in economic terms. You it's not enough to have factual information to make economic decisions. You need to make information based on counterfactual information. And counterfactual information is what would you do if, and what would you do in this other way? So for everything you do, there's infinite things that you don't do because there's always what's called opportunity cost. Every time, like for example, you and I are having this conversation, I could be exercising. I could be playing with my dogs. I could be writing emails. I could be, so how many other things could I be doing in this hour, hour and a half? Infinitely many other things. But I'm expressing my preference from amongst all those possibilities by choosing an action and committing my resources, in this case, my time, to participate with you. This is my favorite thing to do right now. How does anybody know? Because I'm doing it. <laughs> if I wasn't doing it, I would be doing whatever else I chose. But by choosing this, I also chose not to do a whole bunch of other things that nobody knows. When in a market, when you choose to pay for something, you are providing information about your scale of preferences with respect to many other things. It's a very complex uh, argument, but basically if you have no market, you have no way to price things. There's no way to price things according to the votes or the preferences of every individual, which is what a market will do. As soon as you start intervening and fixing prices or, or taking things from some people and giving them to others and so on and so forth, everything a government does, and this, this includes democratic government, includes any government. You know, the government cannot uh, avoid influencing the market. So all the markets are, 
not strictly capitalist and, and you know, I, I don't think capitalism won because capitalism has never been tried. It would be great. It's a great idea. Someone ought to try it. Um, so you cannot create a calculability uh, problem without having the data. But the data is not factual. It's also counterfactual. And you cannot elicit the counterfactual data unless people have choices, unless you quote, ask everybody to participate in the market. That argument was done in 1920. Nobody has been able to refute it. It's called the calculation problem in a socialist economy. In the, that was the name of the chapter, the calculation. And calculation is not because of complexity. It's because you don't know. It's Again, it's not epistemological. It's ontological. You cannot find out what people prefer. You can't even ask people because people vote with their actions. So unless people have the freedom to act, you cannot aggregate those actions in a market and know what people want and how to operate. Anyway, Let me see I, if I understood the, the argument correctly. It's like if you go through uh, somebody's receipts, it's his uh, idea of things that he decided to buy, to buy on his own free will, knowing the calculation of how much effort he needed for his money, to uh, to invest in this certain thing like if it's exactly. important for it so if you eliminate this thing then you'll have no market and that will make no sense did i exactly. got it you got it perfectly i mean sometimes when i coach people they say well let me tell you what's important for me i don't want to know what's important for you from your mouth show me your calendar and show me your checkbook then i know what's important no, 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 but you don't understand. Like, for example, I care a lot about my kids. Okay, how much time did you spend with your kids? Show me your calendar for the last six months. How much time were you awake at home with your kids? No, no, but you don't understand. I'm trying to plan. Yes, I, I understand better than you. Don't, don't lie to me. And don't lie to your kids because you can tell your kids, you know, I really care about you, but if you're not present, that you're voting with your life not with your mouth and the same with your checkbook or your credit card statement or your bank account that's that that's how you use your resources so the way you express what matters to you is how you use your resources so when you say for example i don't have time to meditate i i, I mean how, how how can i do well you're you're expressing a hierarchy of values that means you don't find a lot of value or i don't have time to exercise Okay, I have so much to do. You don't have anything to do. You you have 24 hours a day, and you have to choose how to use your 24 hours a day. Now, I don't I don't have a problem. There are people who choose not to exercise. I don't think it's immoral not to exercise. It's it's a choice. People can or I don't have time to read. Okay, yeah. I mean, but don't say I don't have time to read. You don't dedicate time to read. You have time to do whatever can be done in 24 hours in the in every day. But you choose to allocate that time to the things that matter to you. It's a matter of preference. Exactly. That's an expression of your preference. It, so my, money and time are resources that you use to try to improve your state. You're trying to create a future that is better than the present. And your energy, your, your, your calories, you know, your muscular power, everything. So you do things in life for the sake of improving your condition. Now you need to have a mission, you need to have a purpose in life and all that. And, and then you invest, just like you're an entrepreneur. 
And you can make good investments or terrible investments. <laughs> you know, you can invest your time uh, and, and make a big mistake. You can invest your money and make a big mistake. Your, your business fails. So are you doing the best thing you can with your time? And I think very few people take a step back to reflect on what is, what is this life for? What do I want out of this life? What, what is going to be a fulfillment that I will experience by looking back on my life? Everybody's so trapped, and I include myself, I've been reflecting about my life, um, how, how much time and energy I spent on doing things that were really propaganda, that I, I, I was unduly influenced, brainwashed, believing things that are not so, by people who do designer drugs, like 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 your apps, you know, in the phone. That's like a designer drug to keep you engaged. Or the TV is a designer drug to induce certain thoughts or the, the newspapers or whatever. I mean, it's a battle for your for your mind. And unless you develop that warrior attitude, you will end up not living your life. You will end up living the life that someone else designed for you. 1984, the, the, the George Orwell book, or A Brave New World, those are the combination of those with a mixture of Ayn Rand's Atlas Shrugged. That's where we are with Fahrenheit 451. I mean, we live in a dystopic nightmare right now. And ChatGPT can be used for good. There are a lot of excellent, beautiful things that could happen with AI, but but it's basically augmenting human intelligence and human intelligence if it's not guided by ethics by the soul by by a sense of transcendent purpose and values it's a very frightening thing you know intelligence is neutral without values it can be used for very evil things well you were talking about prices earlier and you know i never uh, never thought of myself as someone who knows anything about economics because it's always, you know, too complicated for my narrow head, I must say, because, you know, you have the House passing a bill of uh, reducing uh, the bill of reduction, the inflation, and now they have uh, the inflation is soaring and they are voting on uh, on the debt ceiling. So I say, okay, something in me doesn't go like something in my logic probably is not working right uh, but the idea is we talked earlier about prices it's one of uh, i think that i have this moment of aha moment that all this fiasco is because people are trying to basically manipulate prices and the mother of all prices is the interest rate uh, prices and you can fool few people for some time but you can't fool all the people all the time and this is the consequence of what we are seeing that the debt ceiling is just being pushed away or, or and this can push down the road all the way am i right about it uh, the only thing i disagree is that you can't fool people all the time oh these are psychopaths that have no empathy and have been lying and using violence to impose their will since forever, 
forever. I, I, anybody who will rule by force, it's a psychopath. I, I, you, you can't. You can't trust anything they say. So when you have the Inflation Reduction Act, I mean, the Federal Reserve talking about inflation, not one time they talk about the increase in their balance sheet. I mean, the fact that they're printing money, basically, I mean, without getting too technical. But it's like, okay, the, you, you look at all the money that has been printed, the growth of the monetary base, M2, I mean, uh, it, it's economics is actually fairly simple when you get through the lies, it's it's not that difficult, but it is it has been made difficult because it's the it's like the matrix, it's the world that will be pulled over your eyes so you don't see the truth. The truth is quite quite simple, straightforward. Everybody can understand economics. I mean, I have a doctorate in economics and I, I work with ten Nobel laureates, so I can talk about that and I can tell you all the the Nobel laureate level of deep economics. I don't know anything. I mean, I learned economics after I got my PhD and after I taught at MIT, because when I was in that world, it was very complex game theory and, and, and economic high, high math, topology, crazy shit that never helped me understand the real world. And now with, with other, I would say the economic theory, mostly the Austrian school that I mentioned, and some understanding about the political structure is also based on principles of the Austrian school. And I'm looking at it, it's like, okay, this is not so hard. It's horrible, but it's not so complicated. But it is horrible when you see the lies and the, 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 the manipulation, and it's all to justify the use of violence to make other people live for you, which is what every bureaucrat ends up doing uh, for them or for their cronies. And people, there's no better business than to buy politicians. That when you look at Congress or the power to pass laws in the US, I don't know exactly in Israel, but I'm sure it's the same. Um, you know, the lobbying organizations to, to get your your political desire implemented by your your your, your servants, you know, whoever you you've, you've bought. It, it, it's the corruption is so tremendous. And people say, oh, it's just, okay, it's Biden. You know, if, if only were Trump or, or vice versa, you know, it's Trump. If we only got Biden and, and, and you go back, it's, it's always the, the circles that, oh, now things are going to change because we'll choose the right person. There's no right person. There, there's no way. There's no way. You cannot do it like that. It's a self-preserve system that keeps growing like an organism that it's looking for more power, more money, and this is why it's self-destructive. Yes. So I, I don't believe the solution is in some technique or the right, quote, person that can get, because the right person would never get to a place of power. If you're the right person, they'll eliminate you way early in the process. You, you cannot... The, the kind of deals that you have to make in order to even be competitive in that space, they disqualify you as being the right person that can do something. You know, it reminds me, you, you, earlier, uh, you earlier mentioned the uh, JRK, uh, and it reminds me of uh, one of the first lessons that I learned uh, when I got to the army, that somebody told me, you know, the army is a very large uh, uh, organization. If you pee on it, it will get wet. But if it's pet on you, then you will get drowned. 
<laughs> that's a good that's a good way yes um and if you know and rfk jr knows about that i mean he he's very outspoken says so yeah you know both my father and my uncle um the uncle was uh, president kennedy and his father was uh well bobby kennedy the attorney general both of them he said yeah, they were killed by the cia they were murdered and now you know tucker carlson said that i mean the the and the documents 60 years later they're still um secret they, they won't release some documents because of national security so i mean what are they hiding there 60 more than 60 years uh, Yeah, the, the secrecy is terrifying for me for like in the co- corona with during well, with Pfizer, COVID. Pfizer asked to to have the documents withheld for 75 years and the FDA agreed it was a judge who said no you can't do that and now that they release the documents it's horrifying now 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 we know why they didn't want these things to be released but you know what's the most horrifying thing that it doesn't matter it doesn't matter you Durham came up with a report yeah it was all the FBI Russia gate it's all a lie the the, the FBI held the hunter Biden's laptop 50 intelligence officers from the CIA did said that was Russian disinformation it was all a campaign blinken was involved the secretary I mean it, it's it's all out there the truth is everywhere I mean it's the own government that says that and it doesn't matter it doesn't matter Nothing changes. And totally, everything totally and everything goes according to to plan. Like if I go uh, through different media sources, if I can uh, point on a certain pattern, so one pattern that we goes that goes is the fight against cash money. Uh, governments all over all over the world are reducing the 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 uh, the capability of choosing uh, cash money uh, reducing the amounts uh, go is a um, uh, like earlier stage of CBDC yeah um, a penny for your thought about what is CBDC Uh, and how how do you see this it's thing it's the same it's a grid of control and enforcement the the the, the cash is it's secret cash is uh not controllable it's decentralized but but you don't even need cbdc it's just having your bank account your 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 credit card now In, in today's world you can be deplatformed and you know through all did that with the truckers in Canada anybody who contributed money is like okay I would shut down your bank account why because we don't like you donating funds to a protest that, that I mean what but that's the way with CBDCs you're basically a word of the state you you're you're a slave anything I mean you can be cut off it's like minority report everybody can be controlled and How you spend the money but you don't need CBDCs I mean search engines are saving your searches every word you say is recorded somewhere every podcast everything is there so I mean that's the grid of control and money is a critical part is is the the resource and then universal basic income then you're a slave because you depend on some centralized power to give you your your resources and 
and then people get used to being dependent of the state. It's what every socialist government does. They create a whole army of people whose livelihood depend on the state. And then these people will go in the street and kill anybody who oppose centralized control because yeah, you know, you're, you're, you're threatening their livelihood. Of course, they'll kill you. Happen, you know, Chavez had 95% approval rating in Venezuela when he became president, 95%. And now the Venezuelans are all over the world saying, oh, we're poor, we can't live. The average Venezuelan has lost over 20 pounds, more than 10 kilos. The average weight of the body of the Venezuelans has gone down by more than 10 kilograms over these years. I mean, talk about the national disaster. I mean, I don't even know how they track that, but that is that is a statistic. So yeah, CBDCs are part of the grid of control. And I, I'll emphasize again, there's the basic corruption of wanting to use other people as means and not seeing them as ends in themselves. That is so clear, there's not much to say. So, I, but, but I don't wanna be so dark and say, okay, what, that this, is, this is the challenge. This is the spiritual war or the battle that we are in. And the question is how to live our lives as an act of defiance, as a nullification, saying no. no. I mean, you can obviously do that, but not with my consent, because the, I would say this is the demonic part of it, but it's also the mortal weakness of the whole plan. It requires the consent of the victims. It requires the consent of those who will be enslaved. The only slavery that counts is the slavery of your mind. So if, if you don't agree, if you do not consent, if you withstand this, even if you have to do it, now, they can come and put shackles on me and take me to prison. I mean, I, I don't know what, it, I mean, I may fight or not, but if I fight, they'll probably kill me. So I, I wouldn't do it. I mean, I pay my taxes. Why? Because I'm afraid. Of course I pay my taxes. I, 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 I fulfill most of the laws. I mean, there are some laws which are so immoral that I, I, I can't do it. But, you know, I, 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 I do it very responsibly. I, I don't want to be taken. And I know I cannot win an open fight. But there are, I mean, I don't know if, if there was a, if I was in the US during the 1800 and the law said you have to return every slave, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. Why? Because, well, I'd rather risk being caught, but I, I, I would never think, okay, I need to do the right thing because it's legal. Right thing and legal are orthogonal. I mean, sometimes they might coincide, sometimes they may not, but doing the right thing because of ethical values, that is only in your mind. And you can nullify everything. You can look at everything and say, I can't stop it. I can't stop what is happening, but I don't have to go along with it. I don't have to consent. And by not consenting, by creating communities of people who do not consent responsibly, again, not, this is not about revolution openly, because I think that never works. That just creates more violence. But to not consent and say, this is wrong. And this no no this is wrong and to speak with friends who also say that is wrong you know we don't i don't know we might use drugs or not use drugs but it doesn't matter this is not the difference the difference is if you think of the people that use drugs responsibly privately without driving a vehicle and hitting someone but if you think those people should be thrown into a cage 
because it's legal, it's like, well, you're not my friend. I, mean, I, I can't be with you. It's like if you beat up your children, I, I, I'm sorry, you know, maybe that's not illegal. I, I think it is illegal now, but it wasn't illegal before. But it's still, it's, it's evil. You, you don't beat up your children. No, no, but I'm disciplined. Okay, well, you know, I can't, maybe I can't stop you, but I can decide not to be a friend with you. You're not in my world, and I don't want to be in your world. And I think that that's the opportunity to create communities of people who are moral, who say, I want to be free, and I want other people to be free too. And that's the essence of a program to develop this spiritual warriorship, say, Let's be aware. As you said, now that you learn, economics is not so difficult. The difficulty is the Keynesian, neoliberal, whatever, I mean, whatever name, neoclassical economics that is highly mathematical and all that, it's so, so bullshit, complete bullshit. It's a lie to confuse people because they confuse you. They, 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 they'll, they'll create this diversion so that you can't think straight. And when you can't think straight, then say, okay, I guess they know. I'm, I'm too dumb to understand. And they enslave you with us. No, no, you're not too dumb. You are, you're super smart. People are more than intelligent enough to understand the basic principles if they're explained to free them as opposed to, to enslave them. And by creating this commitment and expanding this commitment to a community of people who want to live in peace, in freedom, with love, with justice, then we win. That's it. I mean, we may not win, like take, take over, the system will not change. Maybe we won't see it alive, but that's not the mission. The mission is to win your own mind. And that is totally achievable. That, that is possible for everybody. Even if you are in prison, even if you're in a quarantine camp, even, and I, there are people that proved it. I mean, I, I lived in the same world than everybody else during COVID. And I you know, didn't go out, but I was able to find places where I could preserve my own. And not, not for a second, I said, this is okay. This is you. This is wrong. I mean, and regardless, this has nothing to do with the choice that people would make about their treatments. But, but it's just the, the, the coercion, the imposition, the lack of freedom the confusion, the propaganda, the demonization. Never again. Never again. I learned that lesson in Argentina. I wasn't in the Holocaust, but I was in Argentina, and that was very close, very close. So never again. And I'd like to see how many people are there in the world that now that we know that the truth is out there, will really say never again for good. And you know, it may be a very small minority, but those are my people. I can't change the world, but I can change my world by choosing who is in my world and who is my community. And I feel very happy that you are my friend and I'm your friend because we live in this world of morality. Uh, thank you very much. It's uh, a very powerful uh, message. Uh, I would ask you one last question about economics, about the future of the U.S. economy, uh, the U.S. dollar. What do you have uh, in mind in this regard? And if you have any advice of someone that doesn't really into these things and uh, would like to, 
to have a better idea about what's what we are facing here every fiat currency that has existed in history everyone single one a hundred percent has collapsed everyone this is not going to be different from the creation of the federal reserve in 1916 till today against gold which is the only real money gold and silver the us dollar has lost 99 percent of its value it's going to lose the next one percent too no doubt i have absolutely no doubt i mean it's a certainty no i mean th th this has happened thousands of times every every paper currency is subject to manipulation it's a single point of failure from but the, the basement of the coin. It, it starts it starts i mean as far as i mean you can go back in history the first the moment that there are um like receipts that represent the physical asset that is being traded the temptation to expand those receipts beyond the existence of the physical asset is there that's called fraud nothing has changed you can go back four thousand years and you can find the same fraud if they they would shave the coins to take out some of the metals that's how the roman empire fell that's how every empire fell and that's how the american empire is going to fall too so it's going to be a multipolar world I think the BRICS are going to use a, a, a financial weapon of mass destruction. Uh, I don't think the next war is going to be nuclear. I think the next war is going to be financial. And it's going to be bad. But I'm hopeful because all the corruption, the house of cards on which the apparent value of the fiat currencies is built is going to fall apart. I think you've interviewed Rafi Farber. Okay. Yeah, I, I I totally agree with him uh, about the of the of this uh, financial situation. He calls it the end game, and I think we're in the end game. Also, Egon von Greyerts uh, from um, Matterhorn. Uh, he's a Swiss. Um, I think he's ex banker. I'm not sure, but he'd be also. There, there's a whole bunch of people who talk about the collapse of the fiat currencies and the end game so whether you know whether they reach the dead ceiling that that circus that that that's part of the hypnosis and the propaganda but i mean if they don't there's be a default and it's going to be a big mess but if they do then the debt is going to go whatever 35 trillion 50 trillion 200% gdp like japan I mean, they, 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 it gets worse and worse. And now that the interest rate is going up, the, the apparent irrelevant stocks of debt that all the countries have, now they're becoming very relevant because this stock is going to generate a negative cash flow because now you have to pay the interest. And this creates a vicious cycle where, you know, you're basically, it's a zombie. We live in a zombie world. There's something called a zombie company that is really dead, but it still moves. We live in a zombie economy of all the Western countries. Europe is disaster. You know, the, the inflation. I, I mean, that, that we, we need several hours to talk about this. But basically, yeah, I think we're in the end game. Uh, I think that uh, 
I'd be very shocked if we don't see progressive stresses on the system. Uh, the 2008 crisis has not finished. We're still in that same crisis, and it's. Um, I think when the when the Federal Reserve has to choose between saving the financial system uh, and debasing the coin and killing the dollar and sticking everybody that has dollars with the uh, the inflationary tax of the devaluation of the dollar or preserving the dollar and blowing up the U.S. economy and the financial system. Uh, it's obvious what they'll do. They've always done that. So I think they're going to print money like never before. The, 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 they went, they're going to pivot. The interest rates are going to go back down to zero. Uh, the dollar will suffer progressive devaluations. And I think at some point, nobody's going to want the U.S. Uh, treasuries on the bonds. So the interest rate is going to skyrocket. I lived through that in Argentina. It's called hyperinflationary stagflation or hyperinflationary depression. So it's it's a like stagflation is stagnation and inflation. Well, put it hyper in front and then you have hyperinflation and depression. And with the total devaluation of the coin, uh, that that's, that's what I see happening um, slowly. But as George Bernard shows, uh, he answered, or I think it was, I, I'm not sure if it was him or Hemingway in a, in a story that says, how did you go broke? Well, slowly at first, and then all of a sudden. Um, so we're in the slowly moving closer and closer to all of a sudden. You know, how many more banks are going to blow up because of the uh, interest rates increase and the devaluation of their assets in the US. The same thing is happening in Europe. You know, Credit Suisse was already the first victim. Um, some Something's going to blow up. I don't know what it is, and I don't know when it will be, but we're getting close to the time of all of a sudden. So, But, but we're still going slowly, slowly, slowly slouching towards Bethlehem, like the beast in Yeats' poem. So we are we're in a time of grave danger and everybody's like whistling like oh everything's fine everything's fine nothing to see here move along there's no problem with the economic system when yellen tells you everything is okay and powell tells you everything's okay and biden says it's the strongest economy in the world we, you know we're close to bankruptcy there's like a silicon valley bank saying oh no no there's no problem we're just trying to recapitalize ourselves now two days before blowing up or in 2008, when people say, oh, no, there's no problem with subprime mortgages. It's always the same, always the same. This time is not going to be any different. Yeah, for the way I, I understand it is uh, we are suffering from 100 years of misallocation of resources that build up this mirage of uh, fake uh, economical uh, zombies, as you said, and now they're all collapsing and the, the what's dangerous about it is what happens to society and the fabric of society during those times of uh, inflations uh, then you'll see people get uh, like uh, a worst situation that goes by the day from bad to worse uh, and it uh, manifests itself in a very um, hard uh, political game. And uh, 
it manifests itself in politics and this is how we basically got Hitler in after uh, the inflation of uh, Weimar Republic. And totalitarianism and war is always the uh, release valve of the collapse of the system. So that's the forecast. Totalitarianism and war. And I tell you, now the U.S. is giving a fix. It's going to give F-16s to Ukraine. They are giving them long-range missiles. It's only a matter of time until they find a way to use the planes and the long-range missiles to attack something within the borders of Russia. That is going to escalate. Then the F-16s are going to take over, take off from. Um, airfields in Poland, and then the Russians are going to bomb the airfields in Poland because they're being attacked, and then it will be Article 5 of NATO, and it will continue escalating. And in the meantime, the U.S. is going to fund the democracy movement in Taiwan and create an independentist party, just like they're doing in every color revolution, and maybe they'll convince Taiwan to be the next Ukraine and want to join NATO and the Chinese are going to go crazy and they'll create an embargo and the U.S. will send their aircraft carriers to break the embargo and the hypersonic missiles are going to blow up the, the aircraft carriers and, and who knows where that ends. I mean, this could be the end of life on this planet. Uh, I mean, at least the cockroaches will survive the nuclear war. So it won't be the end of life, but human life could, could be, I mean, there's a path from here to there. There are a lot of people that are concerned. It's not, it's not science fiction. It, it's possible. And there are all sorts of sociopaths in charge all over the world. But you know, I'm, I'm, I'm more worried about um, you know, the U.S. getting out of control because right now the U.S. is the hegemon that is losing its single, uh, like the unipolar hegemony. And, and it's being challenged by mostly China, but, but the BRICS, China, Russia, and India, because they all know they're in the crosshairs. So yeah, uh, the financial stress, the, the military stress, where will it end? Uh, how will you know, proxy wars show up? It's, it's getting to be a very dangerous time. So, I, I mean, I look at it, I, I, I don't, I just analyze, I find it fascinating. It's more interesting than any show I've ever seen on TV. It's, it's, it's shocking. Um, but again, I want to come back to the personal response to all this. As I said, pressure and this, what a, what a blessing, what an incredible honor to live in this time, to be subject to all these pressures and say, what is the moral way to confront all this? What can we do in our worlds not 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 to go out and just go crazy and say i'm going to join a political party to change things i don't know i don't think that game works the only thing that works is decentralize everything and the first thing to decentralize is the individuality of the personal soul and the human mind so that's the battleground and that's where we win uh with this uh, beautiful message, I think that we, we need to close, uh, wrap this uh, whole interview in a more optimistic uh, uh, approach because I'm truly optimistic. Like for me, yeah. I would say that uh, a lot of things that must die are going to die. We are seeing it. 
uh, as you said, for me, it's fascinating. But for me, uh, I would look inwards to try and find love and optimism uh, in the human spirit. I, I know that we are going to prevail. Whatever is going to happen is, is going to happen. As, as you taught me, we are running towards our darkest fears and we will, uh, we will hit uh, the point that we will be the change that we want to see in the world. And I do it every day. We are the change. We are right now. Um, well, beautiful. And I, I find it very optimistic to confront the challenge responsibly and with unshakable values. And the values have nothing to do with the outcome. The values is how you behave in the moment. So they become actualized in the very expression. Fred, my friend, uh, it's been a true honor. I would like to give you a free stage to pass whatever, uh, uh, I don't know, message that you would like to uh, to forward to our friends from Hoffman Kaufman, basically first, uh, first and foremost, and after that to whomever it may concern and uh, listen to us and been with us in this journey. I would do this hours and hours with you. I truly love uh, talking to you and get uh, knowledge from your experience and approach, as I said, I will say again, it's been a true honor to, to meet you and get uh, teached by your teaching because for me it was a life-changing event and I want to say thank you again from my bottom of my heart. So the stage is yours. Whatever message that you want to deliver, be my guest. Thank you, Khalifa. Um, I heard the rabbi said, that um, our mission on this earth is to make it beautiful, to complete the work of creating a heaven on earth. Like how, how beautiful can it be? And I feel so honored to have the chance to participate in this enterprise. And everybody who, who agrees with this, I feel it's my brother and sister. And it has nothing to do with religion, origin, um, history, language, age. It's, it's totally transcendent of all that. And I find that our relationship and our friendship, it's an example because our lives are non-intersecting in, in all sorts of ways, but they intersect in this commitment to a beautifying mission and this transcendent set of values. And I feel um, really honored to be your brother. Uh, and uh, may we find all our family and uh, connect and grow in love and freedom and justice and truth. Amen to that any given day. Thank you very much, Fred. It's You're welcome. again, true pleasure. Uh, and uh, uh, a pure pleasure having you in this uh, platform, in my humble platform. Thank you so much. You're very uh, welcome. And I hope to see you again. You're coming to Israel soon. Yeah, I'm coming so I would love to hug yes. you. I will, we will definitely have a big hug. Okay. Bye-bye.
זה היה עוד פרק במסע של מרד החליפים, אני מאוד מקווה שנהנתם. לפני שתלכו אני רוצה לספר לכם סיפור. אבל לפני הסיפור, אני רוצה להגיד תודה ענקית לשותף הנהדר שלי אייל חלבי על עבודת ההפקה המדהימה שהוא עושה למרד החליפים. לא יכולתי לבקש שותף יותר טוב למסע הזה ושום דבר מזה לא יכל לקרות בלי העזרה שלך. תודה אייל. ועכשיו לסיפור שהבטחתי לכם. אני רוצה שתדמיינו יחד איתי שיעור היסטוריה שיקרה עוד 50 שנה מהיום. בשיעור ההיסטוריה הדמיוני שלנו יש מרצה שמסביר לסטודנטים על תקופת הימים שלנו בזמן הזה. באיזה מילים לדעתכם היה בוחר המרצה העתידי הזה כדי לתאר את מה שקורה לנו היום? או במילים אחרות, באיזה מילים הייתם אתם משתמשים ואיך הייתם מתארים את רוח התקופה שלנו אם הייתם חייבים להשתמש רק בשפה מדעית נקייה? איזה עולם היה משתקף מתוך התיאור הזה? איך ייראה העולם שלנו בעיניכם בלי החיבור הרגשי הכרוך בזה שאנחנו חלק מאותו העולם? התרגיל המחשבתי הזה מעלה בי המון שאלות. ברור הרי שיהיה בלתי אפשרי לנווט העתיד ושההיסטוריה לא מתפתחת בצורה ליניארית, עקבית וסדירה. אבל אני מוצא את עצמי מרותק מהשאלה הזאת מאז שהתחלתי את הפודקאסט. שאלה שגם הפכה להיות לנושא המרכזי בספר שלי, בו אני מנסה לדמיין איזה עולם יהיה לנו בעתיד. למשל, תנסו לחשוב על יום אחד שבו נקום לעולם שבו הטכנולוגיה שלנו פשוט לא תעבוד. לא חשמל, לא אינטרנט, לא כלי תחבורה. איך היינו אז מסתגלים למצב החדש? איזה עולם אנחנו מורישים לילדים ולנכדים שלנו, ואיזה אחריות יש לנו האנשים הקטנים בתוך הדבר הזה? אלה הם סוג הדברים שאני אוהב לדמיין, לחשוב ולדבר עליהם בפודקאסט. עבורי זה משחק כיפי שהייתי רוצה להשאיר לכם כחומר למחשבה. אז אם אתם אוהבים את מה שאתם שומעים, או אם אתם לא אוהבים, למעשה, במיוחד אם אתם לא אוהבים את מה שאתם שומעים, ספרו לי. תכתבו לי בהודעות, או תשאירו בתגובות את דעתכם, זה תמיד כיף לשמוע את הפידבק שלכם. כמובן, אם אתם מוצאים ערך בתוכן, תשתפו את הפודקאסט עם חברים, זאת באמת הדרך הכי טובה לתמוך בעשייה שלי. וזאת כמובן המחמאה הכי גדולה שאתם גם יכולים לתת לי. מעבר לזה, אם אתם רוצים לתרום מעבר לשיתוף הרגיל, אז יש הרבה דרכים לעשות את זה. תוכלו להמליץ לחברים שלכם על הקייטרינג שלי. קייטרינג אום חליפה. חפשו אותנו בגוגל, אנחנו מעניקים שירותי קייטרינג של אוכל דרוזי כשר לאירועים פרטיים ועסקיים מכל הסוגים. שווה הצצה, יש שם המון אוכל טעים וסיפור של אימא אחת, אימא שלי, שמהווה עבורי השראה גדולה. המודל שלי של אישה חזקה ואמיצה. אימא, אני אוהב אותך. תודה על הכל. וכמובן, הדרך הכי ישירה היא פשוט לתרום ישירות לחשבון הפייבוקס שלי. קישור נמצא בתיאור של הפרק. זהו חברים, עד כאן המסע של המרד להפעם, נתראה בפעם הבאה.